Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Now, I'm curious, Goose, have you ever had one of those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, have I left the oven on when you're out of the house? Have I ever had a moment where I'm like, yeah, I actually have had a moment where I left the oven on when I was like in that specific it's, context. In a metaphorical context, way more than that, but one time in the actual oven context. Yes. Perfect. Have you? Dude, I, was, so I was in Japan last week looking at a sucker castle and I Humble had this brag. Moment. Humble brag. How was that? How was that? Like that? I was, was in Japan little, last little, week. Little yeah. sprinkle. I don't know what you were doing last week, but I was just in. Anyway, sorry, go. <laughs> sat there, heart sunk. And I was like, oh my gosh. Have I actually subscribed to Business and Investing's newsletter? And all I did was open up the phone. I jumped on businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in my name and email, and I realized crisis averted. This is fine. House is not going to burn down anymore. That is it. Charlie, let's cue your amazing disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, I have to give it to you. That, that intro was actually one of your best. It really was. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll pay that. I thought that was, that was well, yeah, well done, well done. Anyhow, moving on to the real reason we're here, <laughs> not just to get newsletter subscribers. Today, we're very fortunate to be joined by Bruce McGrath from Dashdot. Uh, we're going to be covering something a little bit different today, though. I mean, often when we have Goose on the podcast, we do a deep dive into property and wealth and a whole bunch of topics related to more real estate focus, sometimes business focus. But today I want to reveal a very, very different side of him because I've known Goose for, I was thinking about this the other day, it's quite a number of years now. And there's been some times where moments have come up and I'm going to call them moments. I'm not going to assign them to a label as of yet. Actually, I will. I'm going to say there's been some moments where I perceive I'm like, wow, that must have been hard. And there's been, I I don't know if you're just one of those people when it's like things get hard, it's like you just step up to the plate like no one else. You really have. And I have actually, when I've been in moments where I've been challenged by a situation, I've actually said to myself, how would Goose handle this? Because I was so impressed with how you've been able to overcome such things. What are the bracelets like WWGD? What would Goose do? They're available if you subscribe to the Business and Investing news- Newsletter. You get a free What Would Goose Do wristband. Yes. We, I, I think we might need to do a merch drop. This this could turn into something. We can get a movement going here. This is how things start. WWGD. So welcome to the podcast, Goose. It's so nice to have you here. And I, I, I'm going to kick this one uh, off. I have to know, has this resilience in you, this ability, been something you've had your whole life? Like, is it something that was wired into you or was this something that was developed over time intentionally? Um, I think there's probably an element of both, but uh, it, let me kind of like give that a little bit more context. I don't think that anyone uh, innately, like I don't think it's like a genetic predisposition to uh, being more resilient or any of those kind of things. I think I actually think it is it is – um, a an outcome of environmental factors that that gives you that kind of capability and perspective. If you just if you really think about it, it's like what would make a three year old different from another three year old, you know, a ten year old different to another ten year old. And so, um, there is an element uh, to which various circumstances throughout my life gave me the opportunity to have perspectives um, which have been beneficial later in life. Outside of that. Yes, absolutely. It has been a deliberate focus uh, on how do I continue to, to 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 develop that capability because I realised um, that it's it's kind of the key to a, to a lot of stuff. So yeah, I'd say it's a combination of things. And I think if you really want to kind of like dig into it, we can kind of like cover some of that that kind of foundational stuff, and then we can kind of maybe talk about like like practically like how do you kind of deal with these kind of things because I've developed those capabilities um, uh, quite a lot. I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where do you want to go? Which way do you want to go? Because I can kind of like riff on a f- whole bunch of stuff. 
Oh, and I'm excited to see where we go with this. My, my, my general finding is, and I'm going to use like a, let's say a challenge, com- challenge comes up and we'll give it like a zero to 10. It's like most people get over twos and threes really well. It's like, oh yeah, especially business owners because we face challenge all the time. It's when the sevens and eights and nines and tens come up is where you will see many people come undone. And even in myself, this is something I've intentionally uh, put a lot of time into as a skill because much to what you referenced earlier, I realize this is the difference. So at times there's almost this illusion that like you might fix a problem and then you're going to have no more problems in business. Mm. You may have lured yourself into that at a point of like, you know, if I just fix this, then things will be rosy. And um, turns out not so much. (laughs) So it's a different attitude to go at, but let's dig into it at the foundational layer. Let's have a look at it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I think look, some context is probably uh, helpful. Um, So... I, I mean, I grew up in a, in a totally fine family, but we had issues. You know, we had, a, we had, we had issues and early on there was some pretty, um, you know, major formative stuff that happened to me. I mean, I, I shattered my spine in a motorbike accident. That was pretty major. That completely changed the trajectory of my life and it really gave me a perspective. It was a, you know, proper near, near-death experience. Later on, I realized how much form- formative, how much that kind of changed my perspective on life. At the time, I was just kind of going through things. You know, we had some pretty major mental health stuff happen in my family and a whole bunch of other kind of things break break down. But through a series of um, through a series of events, I worked out that it was uh, there was much more to be gained by running towards the fire than away from it. You know, you hear the kind of thing like if a house is burning down, would you run to, run towards it or away from it? And in my experience, you know, the, the the greatest thing that you can ever do is to is to kind of like seek to try and solve because you're gonna you're gonna help other people. And so, in a very literal sense, there was there was moments in my life where I had to walk into harm's way in a literal in a literal sense um, for the benefit of wanting to uh, help other people. And that kind of set me up with a frame. And you know, I ended up doing uh, event management and stuff like that all around the world and major 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 stuff when you when you've got festivals and events you're dealing with like tens of thousands of people on site people die like like it happens mm. there's major accidents people die there's fires there's all these kind of things and um over time i developed a resilience to these kind of like really major outcomes to the degree that it was like um if something major happened like a cyclone or a death or a there's been a massive collapse of a something. It was like, call Goose. Goose is the guy to call. And so I became, that became a part of my identity as well and really built within me. And so once you've, once you've, once you've been to enough of those kind of things, it's kind of like a paramedic in a, in a sense. It's like once you've been exposed to enough trauma, you start to put everything else in context. Um, so there's, there's some really kind of like background, background stuff that's important, but you don't have to have gone through all of that kind of stuff in order to in order to develop resilience. The good thing about the good thing about that kind of that those kind of situations that came around in through my life, they gave me the perspective to understand. Now, some of the the stimulus and input that I experienced uh, that I've experienced throughout my life has been um, extrinsic, and some of it's been intrinsic. And so, what I what I mean by that is, in many cases, I have put myself in a situation. Um, myself that has been that has required a high degree of resilience and so for those of you who don't know um a part of my background is like i'm not even sure now like five or six years ago i was i was an alcoholic and a drug 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 addict and i you know i don't say that lightly i don't like i don't say that in a in a kind of like you know it was pretty hardcore like, like to the degree that if i told you the kind of things that i was doing on a daily basis you know most people would be dead um, and I was doing that kind of stuff on a daily basis. And, you know, when – and but that even if I go back on that a little bit further, when I, when I broke my back, the, um, the doctors uh, prescribed me more morphine than a terminal cancer patient. Um, my mum's a nurse, so she knew that that was like – it was like the highest dose of morphine she'd ever seen anyone take. And they forgot to take me off it. And um, so I was back at school and I was doing all this stuff. And one day I was getting ready for school and I, I looked in the mirror and – I was just like, you know, kind of like basically just off, off my head. And I was like, what's going on here? I went to the doctor and he was like, oh, sorry, we should have taken you off that six months ago. What? Yeah. And that was, that was my first moment where I really faced that choice. And I was like, huh, that's pretty interesting. So I'm now a morphine addict. And I was like 14, 15 years old. And um, I made a choice in that moment. I said, well, I'm not going to be defined 
buy this. And so I went home and I threw all of the stuff in the bin and I just went cold turkey every single day. And I said, I will not be defined or owned by this. And so I went to school every single day. I didn't change any of my stuff. I just did. I was like, I'm going to 100% own it. And that act of making that choice and realizing that I could choose the outcome that I wanted and not be a victim of my circumstance gave me the comprehension to understand that I could make those choices at any moment. Later on in life, um, you know, I developed uh, deep addictions uh, again. And maybe, it's, maybe, and maybe those two things are, are related. But it was, it was through the process of actually reminding myself, actually, I have a choice to make here. I can choose whichever path I want. I can choose whatever outcome I want in life. I can choose the way that I perceive everything I, uh, that is in, in perception is reality. So everything that I want is a choice. I can choose to suffer. I can choose to be grateful. I can choose to take whatever path I want. I can choose to be wealthy. I can choose to be healthy. I can choose to be unhappy. I can choose to – everything is a choice. And so – um, April April first, twenty eighteen. Uh, I made a choice to 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 get completely sober again, and that and that wasn't a smooth ride, by the way. But it was a but it was a choice. And so through that, through a lot of those kind of circumstances, like I, I know what it's like to be at the bottom. Like I know what it's like to yeah. have no money, um, like literally no money, like to be literally broke, literally sleeping on the floor um, in in your office because you've got nowhere else to go because nobody wants you to stay at their house because you know, you're an alcoholic drug addict, um, to, to have nothing. And so once you've been, and I've been further down to the bottom, I've been further below that too, to places that I don't even want to talk about. And so when you know what it's like to be at the bottom, you actually have a perspective to actually know um, how far you can push yourself. It's only when you sort of find those edges, I think, and when you kind of push yourself that you can really, you really have a different perspective. Now, again, we can talk about tools and practicality so you don't have to come, become a drag addict to go broke in order to develop resilience, but there's a little bit of background context. Can I uh, come in on that one? Because um, yeah. I, I want to understand more about this because there, there are some significant uh, yeah. moments in your life and particularly at a younger and formative age. Yeah. When I look at that though, and you can use the power of hindsight to go through this, overcoming such things and at such a high degree has that become an advantage for you in business where like when you look at some of that stuff, it's like, okay, an employee quits. It's like, this is nothing. nothing. So like, you know, a comparative view is that you are much more, I suppose, conditioned to handle higher degrees of challenge because of that. Yeah, 100%. But I don't want anyone to think that that makes me special because anyone can develop the resilience. It's been useful to me because I've had – Maybe we'll call it like a head start. Anyone can develop enough resilience, right? So, but I've had a bit of a head start because I've had all those experiences, um, and that's absolutely set me up for success. So, if we talk, if we talk about, let me give you a quick run through of the business side of things because we've been then relevant to this. So, we started, we started Dashdot in 2019. We had five thousand dollars, no safety net, no backup, no, no nothing. We didn't know anyone in the industry. We'd never done this kind of thing before. Never really run a business. Didn't know how to do sales and marketing. Like we were, we had nothing, and there was no. It was like win or die, basically. It was like we had nothing. And yep. so we had to walk around the supermarkets eating food off the shelf, right? Because we had no, we were like to choose, to like, are we going to spend our $5,000 on ads or food? It was like, well, ads will hopefully make us money, right? So, so um, you know, so we we did that. So we started pretty pretty hardcore. Then we got some success um, and think we were like, yeah, we're rock stars. This is awesome. And we got some ego. And then, uh, and then COVID hit. And then when COVID hit, we... And I just literally come from, you know, I was like broke, drug addict, got sober, um, kind of like started to try and make something of myself, started a business with $5,000, grind, 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 fear, 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 run, 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 like try and get somewhere, started to get some traction, started thinking, life's finally good. I can actually do the things. I can go out and eat at a restaurant. Oh my God. And then this is why I felt so good. And then COVID hit and we had we had an unconditional money back guarantee on our um with our with our clients so roughly 95 percent of our clients asked for a refund on the spot um so we so that was like money that had already come in that would, had already been spent which we had to then return plus on new income coming in we had a 97 percent loss of revenue from march to to april and so we basically went back to and charlie you were around at that point so you kind of know know that moment I, i'm um, pridefully one of the five percent of people who hung around by the way yeah <laughs> all those other ones yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally you did exceptionally well because of it right so um, <laughs> can, wait, can, we, right. can we call them up we'll start a call-in show no here it is <laughs> but you know like but that was literally back to that was literally back to okay i remember having the conversations with gabby i was like um what are we going to do about food like 
Like literally, what are we going to do about food? Um, and that was, man, that was really hard. That was tough. That was really tough. And as we were going through that, the benefit that I had of like, well, what is the worst that can happen? And I've got some, you know, this is a really interesting kind of way to think about it. It's like, what's the worst that can happen? And so, you know, you've probably said, maybe you said before on this show and for anyone, like, what's the upside? What's the downside? And can I live with the downside? The benefit of having hit rock bottom, like real rock bottom, like like legit rock bottom, <laughs> um, is that, man, everything's upside from there. So it's like, will it ever get that bad again? Mm, I don't know. This probably isn't as bad as that. Okay, well, let's just keep going. Now, there's other things you need to do to kind of shift your perspective uh, about how to move forward. But having that frame on, on as a, well, how bad is it? And, you know, when you play things through, a lot of people, when they think about like, what's the worst that could happen? They actually don't think about what's the worst that can happen. They actually don't. They think can, about can like, I just what's ask the, one yeah. quick thing there? Yeah. Um, I think that that's a really interesting frame where it's like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? And you've, you know, related that to the idea that, well, we've had nothing before and we were okay. Mm. Has this changed for you as you've had, or I suppose, developed something to lose? Because when you've got nothing, right, playing from the place where there's nothing to lose is very, very different than having mm. something to lose. And it can adjust people's advantage. psychology in a big way. And, like, ask this specifically to you, Goose, because you mm. are someone now that, well, has something. Mm. And yet I still see this immense, well, I'm going to call it a superpower in you, this mm. fortitude and mindset that comes out in challenging circumstance. So it changes, right? So it changes. It 100% changes. Because when you've got nothing to lose, you've got everything to play for. So- you know, the odds are the odds are that the odds are that you won't go to zero. So everything 100% is upside. Everything's upside yep. from zero. Okay. So when you've got nothing, you've got everything to play for. When you've got something, you've got everything to lose. However, um, what people don't consider enough is like people think, what if this doesn't work? But then it's like, what if it does? And most people, when they face a challenge, so let's say, oh my God, I'm, I'm, and so and we've had loads of challenges. I'm happy to talk about all of them, right? So we, so we, COVID, oh, shitloads of loss of revenue. Okay, got, got it. Then 2021, we started growing massively, you know, one of the fastest growing companies in Australia. Last year, our growth rate was outstripping our, um, like our, our we, we were trying to grow faster than, 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 than we could and we hit some turbulence. We had to let go 20% of our team. That was really hard, you know, like we, and we've had all these kind of uh, moments and then, and then we've, We've now got a tech company and that's having funding issues. Like there's like there's it's just like punch after punch after punch. But here's the thing. In order for you to actually understand the scale of the problem, you need to actually analyze the problem. And then you also need to actually analyze what am I doing about it? Right? Because mm. a lot of people will say something like, I've tried everything. And it's like, have you actually tried everything? Like if you made a list of all of the things that you could try. You don't need all of them to work. You just need one of them to work. And until you've actually exhausted all opportunities, which you almost can't, right? If you really think about it, you almost can't exhaust all of the opportunities. You can exhaust yourself. You can get to a point where you say, I'm not willing to try anymore. But if you take, if you take quitting off the table, if you just take it off the table, if quitting is not an option, then... Um, that changes the game because then you don't have that as a fallback because a lot of people will be like, well, I'll try this and I'll try this and I'll try this and if that doesn't work, I guess I'll quit. It's like, well, if quitting wasn't there, how many more things would happen after those first three things? Probably another 50 or 60 and eventually you would get there. Like, you know, a lot of people say that you only, you only lose when you quit and that's 100% true. Now, I'm going to put a preface on this. That does not mean that you should keep doing things that are not aligned with your values and your vision just because you started them. Okay, so there is there is a there's a very real perspective because sometimes we walk down a path and we realize that's not the path we want to walk anymore, and that's okay. And so no one should ever feel like, well, I started this thing and if I if I quit, I'm going to be a loser. But it's about it's about making a choice from uh, empowerment versus um, disempowerment versus you know a, a way a, a place of saying, well, okay, what am I going to do about this to make this the in the the right outcome for me versus being a victim of my circumstance, yeah. and so. Go on. You want to yeah, that? yeah. Because so, I like that. And you're kind of alluding to this process around how you think through it. So mm -hmm. let's let's make it a little bit more applicable to someone who might not have been through sort of the situation that you've yep. been through. And by the way, thank you very much for sharing that. Holy smokes. Um, so imagine you're talking to someone who's in mm -hmm. business 
and they've hit a, a serious challenge where, to yep. use your example, they might need to cut 20% of their workforce, right? Yep. And most people go and grab the tub of ice cream, eat the tub of ice cream, go, I'm not going to go. <laughs> why, do you, why do you always have to reference the thing I <laughs> do, do when you bring like, this I'm, up? We put I'm this on a podcast, Goose, and he brings it up. <laughs> And you know what? A few people did send me uh, photos of connoisseurs' ice cream because they're in the same camp, right? They do they do something similar. To, similar. So to my people out there that don't mind a tub of connoisseurs when things get hard, you know, like mm. I'm with Represent. you. But anyway, yeah. So most people like they they go into a hole, they kind of recalibrate themselves, and then they choose the path, right? Yeah. And there's a meme that I always think about of these two guys, one in a suit, one on a homeless on a bench, and it's like. The caption is, I'm this way because my father's an alcoholic, right? Everyone has choices. Yeah. But I want to understand, like, you've got this process yep. that is applicable. Can you just walk us through? So use that example. They need to yeah, yeah. remove. No, so this, is, so this is great, right? Because it's like it's one thing for me and it's another thing for, like, if someone came to me for advice, what would I, what would I tell them to do, Exactly. Right? And so the very first thing is you need to actually you need to actually get some perspective, right? Because a lot of the time the, the, we're solving for the problem that isn't. And so a lot of it is fear-driven. And so when fear starts to take hold and your amygdala starts firing, you'll start saying things that aren't there. Like literally, you'll start saying things that aren't there. I will talk from a very recent, recent personal circumstance. Over the last couple of weeks, my mindset has been a little bit, you know, let's just say I've, I've went into a place where I was only seeing problems, not solutions. And I was looking at all this stuff and I was going, everything's like, we're dead. Thankfully, I had enough, I've had enough um, goes of this um, roundabout that I was like, God damn it. I bet you. I reckon there's a better than even chance that if I can shift my perspective, there's probably no problem. And lo and behold, I shifted my perspective and realized there was no problem other than the problem that I perceived. Okay, so that's the first thing. How do you actually know that this is a problem? And so there's there's um, there's four questions. So Byron Katie uh, has got – so Byron Katie is an author. She's got a great book called The Work. And I the first thing I would suggest that people do when they face a big challenge, whether it's like got to lay off my team or, or like I think I might need to – like let's reduce that down. Ah, I'm scared about money. Okay? Like that's actually more – that's actually probably a better better frame because you don't know if you need to let off, lay off your team or not. So the fir very first question to ask yourself is, is, is this thought true? That's the very first question. Is this thought true? Okay, write that down. Then the next question is, how can I absolutely know that this is true? That's a very clarifying question because you might say, I'm going to run out of money. And it's like, well, how can I absolutely know that? Like, how can I, how can I remove all doubt that that is fact? That requires that you go then do a whole bunch of work to validate that that is true or not true. Usually, that will present some very enlightening outcomes where you might start to see some solutions, potential solutions. The next can question we, is- Can we just use yeah. an example around that? So you might say, yeah. oh, look, I'm, I'm scared of money uh, here and go, yeah. all right, that we recognize that. Is that thought true? And it might be, well, um, well are you going to run out of money? I think was actually your question. And yeah. then you go, is this true? And then you, you look at your bank account and you go, all right, well, we, we might actually run out of money, but then the perspective shift might be, well, well, actually I could sell a property or get a loan. Like there's more money out there. Like it's not true that I'm, I might run out of yeah. this money, but it's not fact of all money. Yeah, totally. Money. Or, or like maybe do I just need to remove some of those expenses or maybe it's just not that bad. Like maybe it's just not as bad as I think it is. Like maybe it's actually just not as bad as I think it is. And and so you you kind of start to open up all these possibilities. It's like, all right, maybe I'll run out of money if I keep spending money the way that I am spending it. But what if I just like tweaked these things? Maybe I don't even need to let anyone go. No, maybe we just like stop spending money in that area and maybe that's fine. And so you I, sort of I mean, you know, I could try bullet ice cream instead of connoisseurs. We might get through, right? It's yeah. Uh, I'll buy you. Right? I got you covered, man. The sugar on ice blocks, you know, like something like that might be, might be, a, might be an option as well. That is the ice candy in the Philippines is shaved ice with yeah, a yeah, bit yeah. of cordial poured on top. There you go. I'll get you Charlie. some of that, Charlie. So the, so the four questions, I've got a few things I want to get through, right? So, but the, the, four, the four questions are, um, is, this, is this thought true? And the second one is, how can I absolutely know that this is true? And the, the third one is, uh, what, happens, uh, what happens when I believe this thought? What happens when I believe the thought? And usually what happens when you believe the thought is you're going to be stressed, you're going to be upset, you're going to be depressed and whatever. And then the fourth question is, who would I be without that thought? That is the best way that you can start to detach yourself from the emotions related to the things you're thinking about because nothing has any emotion other than that which with, you, with which you give it. Nothing has any emotion. There is no good, there is no bad, there is just, there is just things. And so a, 
a perceived financial uh, issue might actually not even be a financial issue, or it could just be a uh, it could just be hey, currently our expenses are greater than our income. Okay, well that's not necessarily a problem. That's just a fact. Okay, well if I don't have any emotion around that then what are the various ways that I could solve that specific issue in my business, right? Versus, oh my God, I'm going to fail. We're running out of money. Oh, we're not making enough money. Like, and you, so, so just ask yourself, firstly, is it true? How do you know if it's true, right? Um, who, would you, and who, who would you be and uh, how do you feel when you have that thought and what, who would you be without that thought? Once you take that away, you start to then look at things as they are, not as your emotions tell you they should be, right? which is really Really, really important and clarifying. Once you can look at problems from that perspective, then you can change the way that you think about approaching and solving them. Okay, that's 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 the four questions. Did you want to touch on any of those before we kind of crack on? I was just uh, reliving my own experience, and it's like once you find, I almost think of it like there's a sense of calm when the emotions stop kicking in. You can find that sense of calm. It's like finally you can actually start solving the problem if there is one in, in yeah. this light here. So that's our step one and four questions we're looking at here. Yeah. What comes next, Goost? So um, the next is a really good exercise in turning problems into solutions, right? Or turning challenges into solutions and solutions into outcomes. Um, and this is a really good exercise for anyone just to develop a growth mindset or to just try and work through a bunch of stuff. So if you then work out what are the things that are, what are the kind of roadblocks or challenges that you currently face, uh, list them all down, write them all down. And then write down five ways for each one of those problems or challenges or roadblocks, five ways that they're good for you, well, five ways that they're a good thing, right? So let's just stick on the, on the train that we're on. Okay, let's say the challenge is my, uh, my, my expenses are greater than my income, which could lead to a situation where you've got to let people go and all of that kind of stuff and everything like that. It's like, okay, well, how is this a good thing? So write down five ways that it's, five ways that it's a good thing. Well, this is a good thing because what it's going to do this is going to cause me to go and find ways to make my business more efficient. That's a good thing. That's going to be better for valuation. It's going to be better for profitability. That's awesome. Um, why is this a good thing? Because, you know, because I'm going to learn this thing. Why is this a good thing? Because we may want to innovate and create a new product. Why is this a good thing? So you can list all the ways that it's a good thing. And then for each of those, uh, for each of those reasons that it's a positive outcome, you then create one action item for each of those. And so you can then literally take any challenging situation and turn it into positive, positive activity which is the most important thing because anxiety comes from a lack of clarity. That's where it comes from. Anxiety comes from a lack of clarity and action creates clarity, whatever that is. So where people get stuck is they get anxious and then they stop taking action. They stop taking positive, proactive um, steps, even if they're the wrong ones. Like even if it's the wrong step, taking a step is going to give you clarity to know if that's right uh, right or wrong, um, which is super important. Um, and so, I, yeah, so I think that that's, that's kind of a good next step. And we can kind of keep going, but did you want to dig, dig into any of that? <clears throat> I want to keep going on the back of that. So step two is essentially like what are the roadblocks mm. and challenges that I got? What are the five ways that these are actually good things? And then like yeah. an action order for the good things. But, <laughs> but it's, it's the reframe, right? It's, it's this just is a, the whole complete. turning it into something. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that the next one has to be like writing the five ways that this challenge isn't or how we're actually going to overcome the thing or is the actions around the positive view the solution to it uh, it's it's mostly about shifting perspective right because um you know once you can change your perspective on things like everything everything else can shift because there, there is no good or bad you know there is there just is and so most of it is around how do you change your perspective such that you stop viewing it as a problem and start just viewing it as a fact and once you can operate from that that perspective you're able to make much better decisions and this comes around to uh, like things like identity and stuff as well you know it's like you know who who would i be if i chose these different outcomes and so part of it part of it is is getting the cap- developing the capability to detach the emotion from the situation then apply a new emotion where you get to see all of it as positive, right? Once you do that, then you're turning you're turning like negative into positive. Then no matter what action you're going to take, you're going to be like, I mean, this is awesome because I'm achieving this really cool thing. Totally. And so literally, literally, you can spin anything, spin anything around that anything around that you want. And what that does over time, if you continuously kind of do that, and you know, I do that all of this on autopilot these days, right? And so I don't, I don't actually have to sit down and kind of go through a, p- a process, so to speak. I do this on autopilot. What happens over time, just like anything, as you build up reps and it starts to happen faster and becomes 
automatic, what will eventually happen is uh, a challenge will come up and the moment that it comes up, you'll find joy, which sounds bizarre. Yep. Like you hear, you hear people, you hear people say like, oh, I, I see challenges as, as solutions and, you know, they make me happy. Like, 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 like literally. Now, aside from sometimes, sometimes um, I, even, I even I go through a funk. So I've gone through a little bit of a funk recently and that's cool. And I've just pulled my way out of it. And I want to talk about yin and yang energy as well because there's some really good lessons in there. Um, but, uh, but. The 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 process yeah anyway the process of the process of doing that is is what's going to set you free so then step three is actually doing the thing doing the yeah. actions or is the take so take some action yeah, yeah take some action <laughs> do the thing that you've talked about just do just do anything like literally do anything you know is is going to take you is going to take you closer to somewhere right so because anxiety anxiety is the thing that kind of gets people in gets people in the way and be, and it's because. You, it's because of expectation, expectation on themselves. Like, what are, what are other people going to think of me? How am I going to think about myself? And so, once you can kind of um, disconnect from that, you can start to take positive action. Do you give yourself time to really like reflect on it? I know step one's mm-hmm. asking these questions, but like, do you massively? So, I want to talk. I want to talk about that actually, because in my experience, um, when we hit these moments of like we'll call them intense emotions. It's usually quite a yang energy, and so what I mean by that, it's like high frequency. Like if you if you feel your body, you're like your brain is like ning 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 ning. You're like you're like this really high intense uh, frequency. Now that high intense frequency is is kind of like a yang, like like more masculine energy in the kind of like yin yang context. Um, it is a more masculine energy, and that energy can be awesome sometimes. You know, if you're driving for growth and you're driving for all this kind of stuff and you're like, want to achieve and succeed and stuff, it's that yang which is probably going to kind of like give you that, you know, that, that push. Um, but when you get into a state where you are intensely emotional, often in my experience, um, in fact, I would almost say always when I'm in those kind of moments, um, my energy is in a very yang state. And so... Where a lot of people get to when they hit challenges is they think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do more. I've got to like, I'm going to double the amount of work that I do. That's how I'm going to solve this problem. And that's actually not the answer. I've been there and I've thought that that's the answer. So, and I've tried it and it doesn't work. Um, no, I don't think that you should just go and lay in bed and hope your problems go away. What's actually really important though is to, you've got to get back in flow. And so in my experience, when times are good, <laughs> when times are good and everything's working, that's when the yang, which that's when the yang energy is really good, right? That's when it's like, put your foot to the gas. Let's have some fun. When things get really difficult, that's actually when you need to pull back. That's actually when you need to say, okay, well, now is the time that I need to get back in touch with my uh, emotional, spiritual side. This is when I need more yin in my life. This is where I need to find balance. This is where I need to find center. This is where I need to get calm. And it's that process of doing that that actually can transgress you uh, far, further, faster. Um, that's my experience. And so, uh, for example, we'll talk about the kind of like the recent, I just mentioned over the last couple of weeks, I've been going through a period where I'm like, whoa, sort of send problems and everywhere. And I was like, okay, cool, got it. So rather than trying to like bang the drum harder, I was like, you know what I need to do more of? I need to do more of self-care. I need to do more of mm. questioning my, um, like who, how am I showing, showing up in the world? And I started going like way back into kind of spirituality stuff and I started leaning the other way. And then you start to find yourself getting back in balance because all of life is just frequency. All of life is just oscillating frequency. And, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's my belief. I don't know if any, this is anybody else's belief or where this has really come from, but it's my belief that enlightenment comes when you can re- reduce the frequency oscillation to zero. So if you, if you think about, you know, if you think about all, everything in life is energy and frequency and energy and frequency um, has, a, has, a wave, has a wave function. And uh, high frequencies, the, the, the wave function is, is quite, you know, there's a massive peaks and massive troughs. It's like hugely variable. Low frequencies, the bands are typically lower and, and slower. And if you can reduce your frequency down, if you can get to a point of absolute equilibrium so that the frequency reduces to zero, I, I believe that that's when you can become one with the universe in a very real sense and that's when you can achieve enlightenment. And I believe that that, that is, the, is the path. Now, how possible is that? I don't know, but it's sort of a quest to get towards that point. I have a question for that. Yeah, go I got a question for that because because I agree. 
And I, mm. I relate this back to food, right? The only way that I know a really good steak is by having a really bad steak. Mm. And so that oscillation of going through the peaking of the troughs and the mountains, right, is mm. for you, you have this superpower because you have had an experience that is yep. so low that the frequency that you have day to day is quite this low frequency of like little mm. peaks and troughs. But for someone else, the things that you see day to day might actually be their mountains and valleys, right? Yep. Do you think that people have to have some serious lows and have to have some serious highs in order for them to find this low frequency? Because obviously it's uh, going to be different for everybody. No, I don't no, I don't think so. I think you can learn from others. And that's 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 a the fastest hack that you can ever get. Um I very specifically and deliberately, and it's gonna sound completely crazy, but when I was when I was like 18 years old, I actually I actually made a conscious choice that I wanted to know what it was like to go to the bottom. That was a conscious decision. Interesting. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to do that um, was because I wanted to know that perspective. Like I saw people that were homeless on the streets and I was like, how could I even know what that perspective is like? Um, now I didn't end up homeless on the street, but like I did push myself. I was like, I want to know where that edges lie. Now you don't need to try and do that. <laughs> In fact, I'd recommend that you don't. <laughs> like, like I'm CEO grateful. sleep out kind of thing. <laughs> oh, dude. Anyway, we won't. But um, you know, like for, for me, I'm grateful for all of the experiences that have made me who I am, but you don't need to do that. And so mm. one of the best things you can ever do is get perspective and you can just borrow the perspective of other people. <laughs> so um, like what you've just shared. Yeah, or read books, right? Because guess what? Somebody else has probably had it far harder than you and has achieved far more than you against far bigger odds. Now, you don't need to go and do that yourself to get the proof. You just need to go find somebody else who's done it. Now, I do this, I do this with all kinds of things. So a couple of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about fear setting and, um, and, and, the persp and perspective getting. And both of those require casting your mind out into somebody else, right? So from a fear-setting perspective, the way that I like to think, think through a kind of decision matrix is like if everything went as bad as it could possibly go, am I, like, am I good or like am I, am I okay, right? And so most people just don't, aren't prepared to do that. And as bad as it can possibly get is probably going to end up somewhere between I'm dead or I'm broken living at my parents' house, right? That's usually, that's usually, so you've got to understand like how hard are you prepared to kind of go into anything and what is the little, now, sometimes those downsides, the, the practicality of that downside isn't that bad and so you can kind of, you sort of measure up from there. But you've got to get comfortable. You've got to get really comfortable. It's like getting comfortable with death, right? I'm totally comfortable with death because I made peace with it a very long time ago. And the more that you can kind of get comfortable with these like completely negative outcomes, the less fear you have to have around them. The other thing about is is um is perspective getting. And I see you want to say something, Charlie, but I'll just wrap up on this point. Perspective getting is super, super valuable. And you can use that for achieving achievement and you can use that to pull yourself off at the bottom. So, for example, when we started to grow um, Dashdot, we grew from four to 85 people in 18 months, which was pretty quick. And other people have done it faster, but that was pretty quick. The thing it's that shifted great. my – yeah. <laughs> Uh, the thing that shift the thing that shifted my perspective on that is I started going, well, I don't know, I, I don't even know what a lot of uh, employees in a business is, and so I was like, how many employees does PwC have? And it's like two hundred and fifty thousand. How many employees does um does the it's twenty twenty one? I was yeah twenty twenty one. It was a hundred years of Disney, and they had something like two hundred eighty thousand employees, and I was like, that's on average two thousand eight hundred employees every year, and I'm trying to like hire two. I was like, okay, perspective. Vice versa, you know, if you're having a tough moment in business, business, guess what? Tons of really successful people have also had those tough moments. You know, you can read Shoe Dog um, by Phil Knight, so for example. Just what you want to do is you want to go, okay, who who's done this? Because if you can see someone else who's done it before you, then you know that it's possible. It's like the four-minute mile. You know, Roger, ba Roger Bannett, it was, people thought it was physically impossible to run a four-minute mile. They thought it could physiologically impossibility for, uh, for humans to run a four-minute mile. Roger Bannister ran a four-minute mile, and then since then it's been done, whatever, thousands of times. Um, same thing goes, one of, my, one of the guys on my team, I shared uh, an interesting uh, uh, video from, from Sadhguru, Sadhguru who's, a, who's a really great um, uh, teacher as well. And he was talking about the fact that everything that has ever been created first came first came forth in the in the human mind. And one of the guys on my team who said he was never a good swimmer, like he was an average swimmer, all of this kind of stuff. Um, there was a guy who broke the the um, hundred meter world record in nineteen twenty two, and the guy on my team, Andy, uh, he was like, he broke that just in practice one day, only because he knew somebody else had done it before it. 
And so as soon as you can kind of understand, okay, someone's been here before. Okay, so I'm not going to die. Okay, this this is this is like okay, this is just part of it. Um, I'm just going to sorry, Charlie. I'm just going to finish on this thought because I know you want to get something in there as well. So no, other, I could listen to you all day, Goose. Like, keep going. <laughs> I want to stoke the fire. Like, I'm, this yeah, is, the other, is a ton of value coming out. Keep rolling, man. Cool. I'm I'm glad. The other the other consideration is to try and work out where you are on the journey. And so, um, Seth Godin wrote a book called The Dip. Now, I'm put it out there. I don't actually like a lot of Seth Godin's work. I think most of it is not that great. Um, one book that he produced, This Is Marketing, is one of my favorite books ever. It's a fantastic book. But generally speaking, I'm not like a massive like like fine. But the dip is really interesting because, and I've seen it replayed in loads of different ways. And it basically talks about like at the start of the journey, particularly in business or whatever, you have, uh, you're at a stage of irrational exuberance. We're like, this is going to be great. We're going to achieve all these wonderful things. Everything's going to be. And so your vision of the future is all daisies and rainbows and shit, right? You're, oh, you're, let's just all take a minute. Do we remember that part of our oh own journey? God. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome, right? And you're just like, this is going to be awesome. We're going to start a tech company and it's going to be worth billions. I'm not talking about myself there. Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> so, but you, know, you, have this, you have this irrational exuberance, right? And you, you only see the positives. Then what happens as you start walking down the path is things get harder. Like things start, things necessarily get harder. You uncover facts that you didn't know before. You experience things that you weren't experiencing before. And eventually you find yourself in a valley of despair. And in the valley of despair is when you're sitting there going, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up for, for rainbows and daisies and shit and, you know, jumping around in piles of money like Scrooge McDuck. And right now I'm broke. I'm scared. I don't know where I am. I don't know what the answer is and I don't know the way out. This is, feels painful and, I don't, I, and that's where most people quit. Like 90, like statistically something like 90 something percent of people quit when they are in that um, moment. Definitely. And it's, and it's when you can transgress that. It is when you can say, that's okay. Look, I'm actually just, I'm just in the valley of despair. It could actually be super liberating. You're like, huh, this must be that valley of despair that I've heard about. Once you can continue past that, if you can just exercise a little bit of self-control and emotional control and transgress past that and continue to walk along the path, you end up coming up the other side of the valley and that's the pathway to success. Now, that dip happens many, many times. It doesn't happen once because when I first heard about it, I thought it only happened once. I thought it just happened like kind of near the start of the business journey and you had the dip and then you went out the other side and it was just all, that's when you got to the daisies and rainbows and, and shit. But it's like you go up a bit, then you hit another dip and you go up another bit and then you hit another dip. But as long as you can maintain a perspective of like, Hmm. I do feel like I'm in a valley of despair. Hmm. Maybe this is just that point that I've heard about. And if I just keep going, I wonder what will happen. And if you can maintain that degree of curiosity, chances are you're going to end up somewhere pretty good. I wonder what would happen if people just expected that to be the way it was Bingo. rather than the illusion that it isn't going to reach this uh, dip. Yeah. Huge perspective that could be very, very different there. Well, unhappiness only ever comes when expectations don't match reality. And the, the one oh. side of the equation that you can change on that is the expectation because you can't change reality. Well, I mean, we can go there. I mean, reality is, is manifest purely by whatever you, you perceive. But, the, but outside of that, like the, the side of the equation that's broken there is whatever your expectation is. If I expected that right now I would be a billionaire, if that was my genuine expectation, I'm not a billionaire, like not even close. So I could be like, oh my God, I'm a freaking failure. This is the worst thing ever. I suck. I completely suck. Um, whereas on the other hand, you know, like we've built a wildly awesome business that's growing rapidly and is full of amazing people. If my expectation was that I was only ever going to have a tiny business that would be moderately successful, right? Then I'm going to be like, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm on top of the world. And so- <laughs> yeah, totally. Your perspective is the is the thing that changes, and your expectations. And so, um, I had a great quote uh, uh, about Warren Buffett once. Somebody asked Warren Buffett, uh, "What is the secret to a successful and happy marriage?" His answer: No expectations. Yeah, lower your expectations. Right? Yeah. No expectations. And so, the the more that you do that, and the more that you apply that in life, if you just take detach. So, if you specifically detach from the outcome. Then and you have and if you can genuinely get to a place where you have no expectations, then again, one hundred percent of it is upside, right? Because the, the like there is there is no there is no end, right? All of this is an infinite game. Business is an infinite Completely. game. Life is an infinite game. You know, like 
you know, people might say death is an end of an infinite game. You, you know, there's, there's, there's like from a quantum level, that's that's not true. Energy can never um, be destroyed, only transferred and all of that kind of stuff. And so at the, the end of it, it's, it's all just an infinite game. And so to the degree that you can just keep walking the path and remove your expectations and focus on what you can be grateful for, then then you're going to be you're going to be generally speaking fine. You know, there's lots of people out there who have got no money who are wildly happy. You know, like famous usually happier too. than the rich people. Usually to- happier. Totally, totally. Well, right? We could use Uncle Warren here as an example, right? It's like if for a majority of the population, if you put a million dollars in their bank account, right, they'd probably like be ecstatic, the highest of the highs. But, uh, you know, if we look at Warren Buffett, he made $8 billion last year for reference. Mm. If he had a million dollars in his bank account, that might be a called crisis in perspective, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it's uh, it would perceivably be a downside, although it sounds like he has his expectation management in check. Yeah. But I think the example still reigns true. Goose, I want to um, tag onto something here that I'm very curious on your uh, point of view here on. One of the things I've done a lot of work on in more recent times is naming the fear and confronting it a little bit differently. Mm. So, um, and we'll use an example here. Let's let's go to your example of like uh, at the point where you've had to let go of 20% of your staff, mm. which I think everyone here can agree. That's not a day we would look forward to, right? Yeah. It's certainly not. And- uh, a mentor of mine drew to the idea that it's like you're not really fearful of letting go of the tw- in this example the 20 percent of your staff you're actually fearful of what it says about you completely yep. right it's that's your ego and identity that's in question you know is this yep. revealing that you're not enough to the world you know it's like you're not enough you have to let go of your 20 percent of your staff and the idea that when we can uh recognize that and be okay with it because the reality is it's like even in this circumstance where you potentially have had to let go of 20% of your staff, it doesn't make you not enough and, you know, this might be the very thing that allows you to reset your company so you can double the size of your team after it. But it's those types of fears when it can have the opportunity to reveal inadequacies or enoughness if that's a word. Is that a word? What it is now. I'll add it to the dictionary. I appreciate that, Grant. I feel like You're we've welcome. added a few to the dictionary since we started this podcast. Totally. But have you found confronting things in that way has been able to give you different perspective shift yep. and you kind of were looking at fear finding uh, in an earlier part of this episode? Yeah, no, 100%. So knowing your enemy is the key, right? And what you tend to find if you dig deep enough is the enemy is almost always you, right? And so that's the that's the most interesting part about it. So just let's – and I haven't spoken about this much um, generally for, for for obvious reasons, right? But like when we had to let go 20% of our team, that was an extremely really difficult part, time in the business. Um, and at that time when that was happening, I was, uh, I was in a bad way emotionally. And the reason I was in a bad way emotionally is because of – um, I'll call it like PTSD from previous experiences I had in my life. I had a previous had a business fail, and and then I was it was like it was it was like it's all happening again, and it was it was horrifying, and I was in this real state of like terror around, uh, and it was all related to to me, to me. The business actually got better after we did that. By the way, like the business got better, the team, the culture got better. Uh, we just became. We just got uh, awarded second best place to work in our category, you know. And so these things don't happen because, uh, like, you know, because it, it had nothing to do with the situation. Everyone understood the situation. Everyone understood where we were. But for me, it was one of the most emotionally challenging um, times that I've had uh, recently because of what I was saying that that meant about my identity. And so, if you, in order for you, it's like a. A, like a Sun Tzu type thing in Art of War is know your enemy, right? Because if you know your enemy, then you can know all of the things you need to do to be able to outwit, outwit and outsmart them. Um, and nine times out of 10, it's going to be you. It's not going to be anything else. And, you know, and your ability to think creatively and laterally to solve a problem is going to be the key to your success. Because you could have a situation where you could, man, you could, let's just, like, let's just take a, let's pick a different scenario, right? Let's just make one up. Let's say you built this business, built a, built a business, right? And you're like, okay, I built this business, but I fucking hate it. I hate my life, right? What are you going to do? You could be like, well, 
Um, I, you know, if I walk away, I'm a loser. Um, uh, but I hate being here and I hate myself. And now I'm angry with my partner. And you know, you can end up in a pretty bad situation. And it's like, well, what would happen? Like, what are the options you've got? You could try and sell it. Maybe no one wants to buy it. Um, you could shut it down. But then you'd be like, everything that I've worked for for the last ten years or whatever is a waste. And you know, you can kind of end up with this. It's like, yeah. Or you could just like, like work out what good looks like for you, and then find a solution to that. So maybe what good looks like for you is. I don't know, $100,000 a year uh, and you work two hours a week, what if you what if you gave the company to the employees? Like if that was the outcome that you wanted, what if you just said, all right, cool, here's the deal, guys. You take the business, have it. I want 100 grand a year and I'll meet with you two hours a week. Now, that may not be a good solution for some businesses, but it could be a freaking great solution to others. And so that's an example of how you might be able to think how to arrive at the outcome that you want. But in order to do that, you need to first really critically think, like what are you trying to solve for? Because most people are trying to solve for the wrong thing. Mm. Most people don't actually know what the problem is. They think they know what the problem is, um, but they're diagnosing the the wrong symptom. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah. So you know, taking giving the wrong medication for the wrong for the wrong outcome. And so knowing your enemy, and knowing knowing what that really is, is the key. I also think they don't know the outcome they're going for. Yeah, oh, which dude, is how they're just solving for nothing. Do it hundred percent, hundred percent. Like if you don't know. Um, Charlie, you and I talked about this on um, on uh, my other uh, podcast, The Wild Goose Chase. Asking yourself a question, what do you want and am I happy? is really powerful questions to ask totally. yourself. And most people don't know what they want. That's the, that's, the biggest, that's the biggest mistake. Most people have no idea what they want. But here's, the, here's a big thing. I just want to give everyone permission, anyone who's listening to this. Um, most people don't realize that they have permission to get their goals wrong. And so most people don't set goals and don't set a vision because they they go to write it down and they're like, all right, let, let's just use an example, right? I want to own a private jet. And they go to write it down and they're like, oh, but what if I don't? And what if, and, and maybe I don't know what that's like. And so they get stuck in this idea of like, I don't even know if that's a good goal to write down. And they write down nothing. By writing down nothing, they have no direction. And so they're choosing to walk through life with a blindfold on. What most people don't realize is that it's okay to get it wrong. And in fact, there's 100% certainty, I think, that you will get it wrong, particularly in the first time you do it. The first time you write down your goals, they're probably going to be goals that other people have put in your head. They're probably going to be things like, you should be this degree of successful, Right, you should. Uh, come have- on, Chris. We know it. It's a it's a house and a car. It always, every or, time I see it. Or for Dude. the property investors, Charlie, it's a hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, passive income. <laughs> ten mil <laughs> business. Ten, 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 ten properties in ten years. Hundred grand passive income. Ten million dollar business. It's always Lamborghini or a BMW. Uh, nice house. In the, like it's it's all it's all the same. Right, it's all the same. And if you're really ambitious, like I was, and it was things like um, it was things like private jets and super yachts, right? Because I was like, no, nah, not that interested in cars, right? So, um, you know, but you you start to realize over time that uh, that those goals, those things that you're trying to solve for, just might actually not be the right things to solve for. Completely. You know, you might actually- they're implants. They're things that have come from the perspective of other people, and they're yep. so relatable to the challenges, right? Because the challenge that you think you need to overcome might actually be completely irrelevant because it doesn't even align to your goal. <laughs> it's just saying it is a problem 100%. you think you need to solve. A hundred percent, you know. And look, and there's there's good reasons to do all kinds of things, but only if those reasons are aligned with your values. Totally. So, for example, you might be like, "Well, I need I I need to in order to be um, considered successful, <laughs> uh, I need to grow my business into a hundred million dollar business." Okay. And so, what if you don't? Does that mean you're a failure? Or where did that where did that kind of come from? Whereas you might actually be able to redefine that for like, what do I want out of life? And does a $100 million business equal the thing that I want out of life? Or does maybe a $5 million business do that? Or any of these other kind of things. And so kind of really digging into that is, is really, in, really important, right? Because without the, all of this comes down to perspective. So everything we've been talking about is like, how do I become challenges? Like, well, how do you even know if it's bad? <laughs> it's like, it's like oh, maybe you had a $10 million business, right? Maybe you had a $10 million business and it's, failing, in inverted commas, down to a $5 million business. Well, how do you know that that's even bad? Like, how do you actually even know if that's a bad thing? Like, maybe you're just far better suited to running a $5 million business. Maybe you'll be happier. <laughs> like, Maybe it's what ma- you wanted and you yeah. self-sabotaged. 
Totally. Like, how do you know that's bad? And how do you know that? You, how do you know it's not just pushing you in a different in a different direction? And if you let go, if you just let go, then you know you will find a way to the thing you, you value most. John D. Martini uh, said to me, uh, "Your innermost tangible thought, uh, your innermost dominant thought, becomes your outermost tangible reality." And in a in a very real sense. The things that you value most and the things that you care about most, if you get out of the way, life will take you there. The reason most people don't have what they want is because they get in the way. It is that simple. And the more that you can get out of the way, life has a way of taking you to anywhere that you want to be, whatever that vision is. Now, sometimes you might get that vision wrong, and you have the opportunity to change it and to, and to co-create with the universe. But that's the reality of it. It's freaking hard to get your head around. But the more that you can get your head around it, the more that you can detach from the emotions that kind of come with any of these challenging situations. It's huge. Goose, I'd love to get your uh, view on this as someone that clearly is doing a lot of work on your mindset here. Mm. How have you gone about maintaining your mindset or your ability to overcome challenge? Is this something where you have an intentional practice Yep. Is it something where it's like, okay, well, a problem's come back and I fall back into this type of work? How do you look at it? Um, so the, 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 first thing, the first thing to realize is that your, your, I can't remember the exact kind of like percentages, but your, your, your mind and your body has something like a, like a 70 to 90% proclivity to focus on negative outcomes. Right? And the reason, the reason for that is because your amygdala is designed to keep you away from harm. And so- yep. You know, it can't be 50-50 because back when you were a caveman, if there was a rustle in the bushes and something like that, you didn't have the opportunity to kind of go, well, I guess we'll just like see if this is a tiger or a whatever. It was like a run, like get out of here because you could die because the outcome <laughs> was death. So built into your biology and your biomechanisms is a natural proclivity to think everything is trying to kill you. That is, that is the natural state. And so to overcome that requires a lot of work. Right, you can't just um, hope or expect that you're going to find some balance because you won't. We're just not wired that way. We're wired to be freaked out. <laughs> right, that's the that's the that's the reality. And particularly in a, in the current environment, where we're all hyper stimulated. That hasn't gotten any better. And so, in order for you to take control over that state uh, and to become much more centered and become much more kind of like in the middle, you have to have a deliberate practice. Mm-hmm. And so. There's a few things. Uh, there's a few things that I do. So every morning, I spend time in in thinking time. Now, there's loads of ways you can do it. I'll talk about how I do it. Um, so probably th- three to four mornings a week, I will write out my vision for my life, and I'll do that in a few different ways. And the the ways depend on what I need most. So sometimes I'll write out my long-term vision, kind of like my, my vision statement, so to speak, around what I want my life to be, right? What, what, how I see my life. Because, you know, future memories, uh, future memories are no different from uh, past memories. And so you've got to craft that, that future memory. Um, but that'll be non-time related. So it won't be like, you know, it'll be like, this is just the, this is the picture. That's when, I, that's when I feel like I just need to be able to uh, look up and know, know why I'm here and doing what I'm doing. Other times I'll do one year and 90, 90 day visions and kind of goals because that helps me to uh, remember the things that I should be doing today in order to achieve that macro outcome. But I'll, I will spend the time probably four days a week to, to just write and just be like, these are the, this, is, this, is, this is where I'm going. And, you know, people talk about manifestation. I don't want to sound like too woo, but, you know, there's a whole bunch of science around it, right? And so, like, being clear on what that objective looks like allows those things to to come to fruition. And so, you know, I'll do that with specific revenue targets in the business. Now, the thing is, there's a, they've got to be, there's a certain um, threshold of like kind of believability versus stretch that that seems to work. Like I couldn't sit here today and be like, we're going to do a billion dollars in revenue next month because there's like, it's it's too, it's too disconnected from uh, reality. You've sort of gone, pushed it too far. So I've started to sort of find where that sweet spot is. And guess what? 90% of the time, the things that I write down actually happen which is pretty awesome so i do that sort of um four four three four times three or four times a week the other uh, alternative mornings i still spend the same time in thinking times usually about an hour a day uh what i'll do in those times is i'll ask myself questions and those questions uh will be dependent again on what's happening so it could be a question like 
what do I want? Or am I happy? Or it could be a question of what are the biggest challenges I face right now? And I'll write all those down and start to work through them in the kind of systematic way that I spoke about earlier. Okay, cool. Why is this a good thing? And do stuff like that. Or, you know, what is the biggest constraint that I face? Or any of these kind of things. And I'll just use it as an opportunity to spend the time to exercise the mind. You know, doing that as a continuous daily practice. I do that, I do that seven days a week. Um, that cultivates a mind that is seeking out the optimal outcomes all the time. Um, then there's things like um, health as well. So the key, the key to kind of mental resilience and overcoming all this kind of stuff is healthy body, healthy mind. It's not work harder. And this is coming from someone who's, whose personal identity is wrapped up with being a hard worker. You know, I am someone who's like my a huge part of my identity is, is wrapped up in my uh, ability to work harder than everybody else. But what I know to be absolutely true is that working harder is not the answer. And so that's the kind of thing that I'm, I'm still kind of working through, to be honest. Um, but the more that you can focus on, uh, you know, a, probably a, ba a balance, I don't think you just sit around and wish things into existence. I don't think that's true, right? I just don't think that's true. There's, there's, you have to take action towards the things you want to achieve, but you've also got to make sure that you're cultivating a healthy body and a healthy mind in order to be able to do that. Otherwise, you probably won't get what you want. Daily rituals, there we have it. Now, before we do round this one up, uh, and so much in this episode in itself, and you've already mentioned a few of these, Goose, is there any uh, resources, whether it's books or podcasts or even people? Like I know we've mentioned uh, Dee Martini, mm. who I would consider someone who's fantastic on this topic. topic. Yep. Is there any others you would recommend? Yeah, so look, there's, there's a couple of ways you can kind of take this, right? You can take this from the like resilience kind of perspective um, and – like that kind of grit and kind of toughness uh, kind of perspective. If you want to go down that path, you know, you've got to kind of like you've got uh, Tim Grover with his book Relentless. That's a great one. Um, uh, uh, Chasing Excellence by um, Ben Bergeron. That's another really good one as well. You, you recommended that to me. Fantastic book. I yeah. loved that one. Highly Fantastic recommend. Book. Great book. Um, you know, then there's like there's sort of like David Goggins and there's all that kind of stuff as well. But – Looping back into kind of the thread that we were pulling on to this conversation, the biggest shift that you can make is uh, is a shift around your emotions and your perspective, and your, uh, around, particularly around reality and all of that kind of stuff. It is very important that you develop the get, get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? And so, just just going back to the kind of like the the David Gogginses and the the Michael Jordans and the the like, you know, get really comfortable with being uncomfortable and be prepared to push yourself. Get comfortable with pain. Like going to the gym doesn't usually feel nice. Feel nice afterwards, but doing the doing get doing the work is hard. It hurts, um, but that's on the other side of pain is is usually usually a great outcome, right? So, where I tend to go though, in a in a more true kind of sense, is uh, and a book that I would recommend is the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. I find that book to be um, a great distillation of a lot of concepts that you might see. Uh, floating around in all elements of personal development with all kinds of different people. It's a great book. Um, don't get the pocketbook uh, abridged version, which a lot of people get for some reason. Get the full version. It's only about 50 pages longer, but it's much more complete. Um, I found that to be super useful. Um, again, I tend to try and do uh, do the inner work first now. I used to go, I used to go towards the um, I need people that are going to pump me up and give me motivation. So I used to go – I used to go um, – all right, times are tough. I need I need people like Grant Cardone, who's like full energy, right? Or I needed these things that were going to pump me up. And I've realized more and more now that what I need is the opposite. And so, yeah, I'll look to like Deepak Chopra, John D. Martini, um, Joe Dispenza, um, um, uh, uh, Wayne Dwyer. You know, like those kind of Trevor Blake. You know, those kind of those kind of people to, to remind me that there's something more. And you know, to the degree that people might not be ready to hear that, like people might not be ready to hear uh, a message that is centered around, we'll call it spirituality in the context of, you know, that kind of that kind of like connecting with something uh, bigger. I'm not a, you know, I'm not religious or anything like that. People might not be ready to hear that. And if you're not ready to hear that, then probably just go for the motivational side. The people that are going to tell you how to dig deeper and how to, you know, nail your now you're nuts to a board and and keep running and do all of that kind of stuff, right? Oh, and so I feel like this is the frame. You go David Goggins until it stops working for you. Yeah, <laughs> you know what's <laughs> yeah, funny? No, yeah, true. I, I reckon I hit just after thirty, and mm. like just the pushing harder really sort of stopped working for me. 
Mm. And that was when I really gravitated towards like the Joe Dispensers of the world. Mm. Like it was- yeah, and what you tend to find is they all say the same thing. They all say it in a different way. Completely. And the reason they all say the same thing is because it's not made up. It's because it's science, right? And there's actual, it's like, it's like research and shit. So you can't, you can't spin, you can only spin that so many ways, <laughs> you know. But but it, but it kind of depends on where you're at because there's a time and a place for like, I need, I need to be, I need to be G'd up. And if you're trying to pull yourself out of a state of kind of like um, ad, abject mediocrity, then it's probably useful to get a bit of, get a bit of gas up here. Um, but but you'll find you'll find that there's a there's a diminishing return on that activity and the pathway to to a much greater degree of greatness is to is to let go and to and to lean out and and honestly the more that I've gone in that direction which I wouldn't have believed um, years ago I you know I had an interest in it but I was always like work harder is the key to success um, as someone who's now walked that path a little bit further the 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 more that I go the other way, <laughs> the faster success happens. It's it's a very strange thing. And the more that you can let go of your ego and let go of your expectations and see what is, you can just realize that everything that you ever want or need is right there in front of you. And that is the most liberating feeling you can ever realize. Let's wrap up on that note. That was a perfect end line of their goose. Now, Grant, you're probably going to say something. I don't know if you're going to be able to match the intro on this episode about getting on the newsletter. We might even replay that at this point. But in case well, anyone needs any reminders, join the newsletter. I was going to say, I'm like, I got to lose. I got to keep the same level. It's like, guys, if you're in on this and you want the same kind of level of zen, go and join the newsletter. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your name and email, and uh, we will notify you every single time we drop one of these episodes. Thank you very much, Goose, for joining us. And uh, just wanted to leave everyone on a positive note. We'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.